yeah, and I was able to achieve something in comms that was pretty pretty amazing. But it, it kind of validated that um, you're not defined by like you know one one meet. You yeah. can you can kind of just grow as an athlete from a legacy of meets that you do, and you can realize that even when you have a bad situation, you can come out and and produce a result that you know can can just wipe all that away. So. It's the strong men leading Denny in the bodysuit and Hodges without a top. Behind them is Di Rosario settling into marathon pace. Montag's walk is proving rapid as backmarker Browning and his mullet set sail for home. Riding speeding tickets is McDermott and the White Tiger has been booked well over the limit as they approach the line and oh, that is close. That was the Athletics Australia Handicap and this is Athletics. Hey everyone and welcome back to This Is Athletics, a podcast that brings you inside the tent and behind the scenes with the stars of our sport so you can get to know them like you never have before. He's Australia's newest hero. He was an Olympic finalist in 2021 at Tokyo. He's the NCAA champion and now he's the new Commonwealth Games gold medalist and games record holder. We talk all things from his obsession with Mountain Dew to him running his own podcast, as well as his pathway through the NCAA system. So I hope you all enjoy listening to his story. Please give a massive welcome to the man himself, Ollie Hall. Ollie, welcome to the potty. Thanks for uh, joining us. We're in Zurich at the moment. Uh, day before Diamond League final, unfortunately, it's going to air after. So... Yeah, welcome first. Oh, thanks for having me. How's um how's how's it been so far since commies? Mate, it's been an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, I yeah. Bet. It's been uh we we've been four weeks. Where'd you go after commies? Yeah, I went back to the states, which was good because like no one cares about comms. Yeah. So it was nice to be able to like go back to reality <laughs> and, and yeah, reset. But uh, yeah, like the amount of I forgot about the amount of uh, energy and everything that comes out of commies is just like incredible. Were you like were you flattened by it? A little bit, yeah, because yeah. I didn't have a great um, two weeks after commies. Like I had a bit of an IT band uh, issue yeah. and um, I was so worried about it. I was trying to get it back ready for uh, a Diamond League in, in Luzon and I didn't run great at that Diamond League purely just from like the emotional just up and downs, particularly from Worlds to commies to, to that. But um, it's been great to be able to like, I think by, by this time, hopefully I've processed everything yeah. and been able to like reassess and then just get back to work kind of thing. But the uh the past few weeks after commies was just like ama- like amazing emotionally just going from the range of uh of uh, ups and downs so it was pretty uh pretty special well i think um we'll get we'll get into that a bit after because i mean talk of the town when it comes to com games <laughs> um but yeah I've, it's been it's been such a pretty strong roller coaster i mean like obviously um you missed out on the final for for world champs and then turn it around to like beat the world champion for college but we'll we'll talk about that soon we'll get into the track stuff but what's what else you've been up been up to like i mean you've got your potty you've got you got the hat on as well yeah. you got coffee club on coffee you're saying you had a episode today in zurich yeah we did we uh we were able to film because my the brand that's uh sponsors me and supports me on they uh they're based here in, in zurich and they're a swiss brand so they have like this cool coffee shop that's next door and we're we're known as the coffee club because yeah. we drink coffee and just pretty much just talk rubbish um, and because that's with you and morgan yeah morgan, morgan mcdonald, McDonald. yeah yep. uh, just you did you two start it we did, yeah. We yeah. kind of just had this idea um, just to spend time because we liked going coffee shops and just talking about the sport, talking shop. And yeah. and we weren't just talking with uh, middle distance runners, distance runners. We're talking with like throwers, jumpers, um, people that would see at meets. And we thought what a great idea for a, a podcast and or something just to have fun and enjoy was to be able to like, you know, drink coffee, have a chat with the boys and, and kind of enjoy 
um, the the discourse that happens with with our sport and yeah. and be able to kind of portray it and get an inside look from a lot of a fan and a supporter's perspective. So we were able to film that at Collective Bakery uh, in Zurich. It's a really cool coffee shop, really good coffee from an Australian perspective. Yeah, yeah. Good okay. coffee there. Uh, have you noticed, I found Aussies, have, like we have such a great coffee culture compared to everywhere else. Like mm. I find like our standard of coffee is so much better. Like when I was in the UK, it was so difficult and like <laughs> coffee shops didn't open till like eight and it was just so frustrating to like, cause I, like, I live on coffee. Mm. Um, did you find? Do you find that as well? Oh mate, I find it tough in the states. Yeah, they drink that. Oh, liquid oh my god! Instant mix. <laughs> do you want syrup with that? Yeah, syrup should not be touching coffee, man. No, like, mate. No, I um, I've actually been getting into pour overs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah pour overs like, are good. We went. Did you uh, did you have the pour over at Seattle? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was that was some good stuff. No, it's um, that, that's changed my coffee's perfect perspective. Yeah. It's shifting a little bit away from milk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a surprise for me, but yeah. Milk's milk goes hand in hand with Australians' coffees. Like they just love yeah. like a good frost milk coffee, uh, like flat whites and and you know, the cap and the usual latte. But um yeah, I noticed in the UK it's like it's kinda hard. Like I thought Europe had the high standard of coffee that we had in Australia. Yeah. No. Nah. And like the timing, like yeah, like you said, eight o'clock. It's like, yeah. mate, I want my coffee at like six thirty. Yeah, I know. Like um, like you think about how how fast Australia runs when everyone like especially tradies are getting yeah. out for work at like four. Yeah. And there's so many coffee shops that are like four to five, or maybe mostly five. And yeah, imagine if you couldn't get a coffee until like eight o'clock. It's like, mate, my day's done. Neil. Mate, they're Australian heroes. They're yeah. coffee, the coffee shop owners, like the local coffee shop oh, owners yes, for the yes. tradies. Australian give, heroes. Give, give, them, give them a medal. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that the the potty wasn't called something around Mountain Dew or something. Like, <laughs> tell us. So tell us about this. You've obviously got a bit of a hankering for uh, for Mountain Dew. Oh, that's an addiction. Do or Jew? Do. 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 Do, I think. I, mate, I think I said Jew. It's an addiction. <laughs> it's a it's a problem. I think I've just I'm just addicted to to soda like do they really call it soda soda in the States? Soft soda drink. pop. Soda pop. Soda pop. Uh in, in America, but soft drink back home. Yeah, I'm addicted to it. I the the issue was um when I was in college, um they just have always like in America they have a selection of just every soda under the sun or soft yeah. drink under the sun. And um, you could get it for free because you could just pick it up from from in the uh, in the stadium, at Wisconsin where I went to college, and that ruined me because I just kept drinking it, and everyone saw me with a Mountain Dew in my hand because yeah. that was my favorite soft drink, even though it's terrible for you. Don't recommend <laughs> drinking it because you'll just be off your head. Um, but yeah, and then people would be like knowing me as Mountain Dew guy, and then and then ever since then, like people were posting photos of it on college, just going on social media. So most runners, mid distance runners, know that like I love Mountain Dew. So like I remember going to meets in the states when I was running, um, and even into um, Diamond Leagues, and people just like had the Mountain Dew can out when I was That's running. That's so good. And uh, Aussie champs, actually, funny fact, a guy had a Mountain Dew can that he made me sign it. When I really? won nationals, yeah, it was really because they came they came down with a coffee club sign as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so good. Yeah, how what's what extent did we get to? How many how many cans a day? What was the worst? The I remember, you know, I like get the big bottles, like the family yeah, share ones. Yeah, 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 I think I finished one of those in a day, and I like felt sick. Like I felt like I had, I had drunk my fill of Mountain Dew for for the year. You know when you drink something so much that or you eat something so much you just hate it like yes, you have a yeah, yeah. yeah i got to that point i had to take a break for it for a few months yeah and now i'm trying to be like a better uh, role model and not drink it as much <laughs> so i've been drinking sparkling water oh dude i can't it's like tv static it's like drinking tv static it is pretty I much i do not rate it at all but it's it's like it's like you know when like you have a smoker and they go on the nicotine patches yeah yeah that's me right now yeah with sparkling <laughs> You're water just, like edging <laughs> yeah. out of it yeah oh my god so what were you just like maybe like one a week 
now? Yeah, yeah. I'll try and like if I have a good good race tomorrow, yeah. I might have a I might have a. Soft oh, you drink. might yeah, might yeah. go out in the town, hit might, the hit the dues up, hit hit the dues up, mate, on the town. <laughs> instead of instead of a beer, I'll have you will see me with a Mountain Dew. I'll, I'll be joining. I love a Mountain Dew. I'll, yeah, I yeah, I that's. That's an interesting one. I've never really heard of someone be addicted to it. I know it's good, but I've never heard of being addicted to it. So, no, that's good. Um, and yeah, like we were talking, we're we're in uh, we're in Zurich, and we're getting ready for Diamond League tomorrow, Diamond League final. How how are you feeling? Are you ready ready to go? What's your predictions at this point in time? Because this is obviously going to air after. So let's see if yeah. we can play it out for the last 400 meters mate i'd love to be in in uh striking distance to win yeah uh, but it's going to be a tough race there's like so many good quality athletes right now in this event um particularly racing in zurich so they're going to be pacing it pretty fast um you know what pace they're going to go at yeah so 151 through the 800 okay uh, 219 to 218 through the k yeah and then the pace will drop off um and then it'll just be a, a race from home from there i would love and i know stewie as well um to go under 330 this year that's the plan you know yeah. like to be able to finish off the season on the track and that kind of high of a note would be would be amazing um so that would be the idea like if i'm if i'm predicting what's going to happen i'd love to be forwarded to go near the front hopefully finish well and yeah see where i can place and 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 if i can see uh, a time that's 329 or 330 um i'd be pretty excited about that yeah, Matt, I, I'm I'm keen to watch it because I think, what time are you on? I'm 6.30. I think 8. 8, okay, yeah. cool. I'll be in perfect time. I'll be just finishing Yeah, and I'll be able to maybe sit back, have a couple of do's and yeah, cheer have, you on. Cheer you on, yeah. Mate, surely I'll sit with there with one ready for you on the track. That'll be perfect. I'll love that. Um, So, yeah, we've had the four-week break and commies went extremely well for you. I think let's let's dive into commies and kind of look back at what a crazy experience that was and like, you know, I feel like for a lot of Australians after commies, it was hard enough for the, the that last four weeks coming into this and then trying to finish off the season. Um, but yeah, mate, you were the talk of the town. Like it was, it was incredible to watch. Yeah. Like it was one of the great races, and you know, it was so good to have listen to Macavani call out and you know, just see you get so up and about, especially on that victory lap, just like just gassing it and yeah. being so stoked about it. Um, what's what was your takeaway? Like, you know, you probably wasn't the performance you wanted at Worlds and then the two weeks later turned that around and, and beat the world champ. Like, it's, you know, do you think that could have been a different story at Worlds if a few other things went your way? I mean, yeah, you can always you can always think that. And yeah. like, that was the one thing that I noticed with the sport of track and field. Like, when you're an individual out there, like it's all on you. When yeah. you're throwing or jumping or, or running, or whatever, like you're in the spotlight, and if you make a mistake, it's on you. Like there's no like hiding behind it. So um, at Worlds, it's really tough to process because I was in such a great shape. I've had a great season, and my goal was to obviously get to the final and be competitive for a medal because that would be an incredible experience to be able to achieve um, in Eugene. But it didn't happen, and like there wasn't many excuses I could put in like the cliche excuses of like, Oh, I was like tired or I was overcooked, but I was just, I just raced it tactically wrong and it just didn't go the way I wanted to go. And I had to like look at it in two ways as an athlete is like, well, I can like sulk about it and just walk around and not, mm. um, and not kind of process it. Or I can, I can kind of look back at it, try and learn from that experience and then try and bring it into another championship opportunity, which was comms. And I tried to switch that mindset, which was, pretty challenging part for me because i know for you and and for a lot of track and field athletes like world champs is like you know the epitome of the season yeah it's the one where you want to be peaking and the one that you want to kind of be ready for yeah exactly so 
um comedy is such an important part for us as australians and and i wanted to obviously represent my country as best as i could it'll be my first com games and yeah i just really wanted to make sure that i could learn from that mistake and then hopefully apply it and uh yeah and i was able to achieve something in comms that was pretty pretty amazing but it, it kind of validated that um you're not defined by like you know one one meet you yeah can, you can kind of just grow as an athlete from a legacy of meets that you do and you can realize that even when you have a bad situation you can come out and and produce a result that you know can can just wipe all that away so for me comms was a big validation that my training has been good i was able to achieve something that was exciting for me and yeah it was just a it was just a mental just like emotional low and then emotional high of comms yeah. it's just it was crazy and it was very exciting to experience that and um yeah just yeah it's been surreal well that's yeah like i feel like that's that's pretty huge for you considering you know say for me like i wasn't i wasn't happy with worlds at all and then you know it was we're in that position where you had to learn fast like you couldn't sit and mope or like you had to get on with it and, and turn that around and get ready for com games otherwise like you know you're going to be in the same position and and sulk even more about it and i felt that you know those people that didn't do as well as what they wanted at Worlds, they just, it's like they flipped the switch mm. and just tried to find, I guess you could say redemption or something like that. But um, yeah, it was just really trying to find that extra gear again and, and turn it around and, and be where you wanted to be and get the performance. And I always find it interesting that like, obviously from a standard of the world, like world champs is obviously the pinnacle and com games has less countries a part of it. So when it comes to, competitiveness um or like i guess the stake on the world stage a lot of people see it less than but for us like you know like your time and your performance and stuff hugely competitive beat the world champion at at his own game um basically in his home country nearly um i, I love jackie white yeah no, mate, me, so too. me too it's, uh, yeah it was incredible to watch but yeah it's crazy to see like how much uh how much more publicity you know you would get from com games and what say like someone who won world champs got compared to do, do you know yeah. What I, mean? yeah. Uh, I mean talking to eleanor about it, it's interesting yeah. because um she i think went through something similar in this like in just the mental process like she yeah. won world champs she's a world champion like yeah. and that's just like the most incredible thing ever and it was so sick to watch her do that as well it was incredible Mate, being out i was out on the track when she won i just like yeah you just lose it, it. yeah you just <laughs> i remember her, like running like she did a victory lap and we stood in the in the middle of the we talked about in the last party like we stood in the middle of the field and i gave her a massive hug and we just kind of like soaked it all in yeah um like to look around with her and just see everyone clapping for it, it was pretty pretty crazy yeah and it's just interesting because when i saw her at, at comms before she was competing i was like oh how are you doing like just because i think we know like the 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 roller coaster you go through sometimes emotionally with those type of meets and she's like yeah like i'm super like just not there like not mm. where she usually has been in the past like she had an incredible year yeah and uh when she got second she was like pretty disappointed but like she knew that like what happened to her at worlds can kind of like affect what's happened yeah 100%. um with her commies and like that's the interesting thing is people might be talking about her silver more than her world championship gold medal because like commies is just like prime time tv channel sevens like doing all the publicity for it cranking it out cranking yeah. it out but like and then like but everybody in the track and field community knows what she did at worlds was like it's incredible like yeah. that's that's the season highlight for her and um it's just yeah it's interesting to see those dynamics with a year that we've had where we've got <laughs> commies and worlds and like it's all mashed together so we're experiencing these different volumes of like 
uh, media attention as well as just um, overall competitiveness at like at a, such a high championship level. Yeah. Well, I think like the depth obviously grown in the team, mm. but I think the other thing f- um, like watching you compete is, you know, Tokyo was your first major open team mm. and then to turn that into that, then do worlds and then back up straight away and then, you know, win commies with games record and everything. Like how did you find... Did you find it was like a quick learning process? It was, or there was major differences in in those open title racing. Yeah, it's interesting because for me, yeah, my first ever Australian team, even at any at any point, was uh, was was Tokyo, and that was such an amazing experience to soak in everything I could about everyone else who's been through kind of the ringer, who like yeah. knows and is more comfortable with being in that environment. And yeah, you have to kind of learn fast in a championship setting because I know with you when you go. Say, for example, if you go and do Diamond Leagues yeah. and I do Diamond Leagues, like we're able to compete against such, such incredible talent, like the best in the world. But it's one race, it's one meet. There's no like qualification period really to get through to another round. Yeah. And um, you can kind of just go out and just and just experience it and learn from it. But just going through the rounds or going through a process of like qualifying um, in such a uh, like one, one or an only meet that really just isn't the epitome of, of our sport. That was something that took me a while to to kind of adjust because I thought the Diamond Leagues was teaching me that, but it really wasn't. It was just teaching me that I am used to these people around me, these amazing competitors. I'm not, you know, starstruck or freaking out. I'm, yeah. I'm comfortable uh, to compete against them. But the uh, the one thing that I learned from from Tokyo to World Indoors to World Outdoors and Commies was that I was able to learn the process of qualification to competing and trying to uh, nail that, that, uh, that race or that meet as, as best as I possibly can in that kind of environment. Well, did you find like, because you went to Wisconsin, you won NCAAs. Did you find that with, because that standard of, I guess, competition is totally different to Australia where, you know, it's basically, you know, major titles in, in the college system all the time and you're always competing at such a high level all the time. Um, and NCAAs is so up there when it comes to like world-class talent. Did you find that? kind of helped your pathway as well because it was such a yeah like i mean you've been you've been in the college system for a while now and and then to then go from that to to uh olympics and that did you find that helped your pathway it definitely did because it made me experience competition at a little bit of a higher level like australia has a great um obviously tradition and and uh competitiveness but when you put it into a, a much more bigger community like the NCAA, mm-hmm. you're just going to get more competition and more talent to be able to get used to and to adjust to. So NCAA has definitely helped that going into the Olympics. I mean, um, the guy I beat who was the favorite for the NCAA title got bronze medal at the uh, at the Olympics, Tokyo yep. Olympics, uh, Josh Kerr. So I've been able to race and compete against him. I get to know him. I get to know his, his way of racing and it's helped me kind of progress and like not feel too foreign when you yep. get into that situation and feels a bit familiar. Whereas I know a lot of athletes that would maybe be used to just running in Australia or competing in Australia, making a team and then experiencing it for the first time. Like they're not used to these athletes. They're not used to uh, the situation or how they compete or what they do. So that has, yeah, it was a very good helping like stepping stone into that kind of arena of just the top, um, which yep. is the Olympics. Yeah. And like what what kind of advice would you give though? Like, you know, especially there's a lot of kids looking at doing that NCAA route and mm. going to going through the college system. What what big tips would you give yourself back when you were trying to start going through that process? Yeah, just ask questions. Yeah. Uh, if you know a lot of athletes, what doesn't even matter what event really, yeah. um, just athletes in track and field that have been through uh, the college system, ask them a question. 
um, ask me a question that you might think is stupid. You know, you never know what the, the answer will be because the more questions you ask, the more idea and knowledge you get from kind of going through that application process. And the great thing is with college in the US is you have all these opportunities to get a degree. If you're, if you're not going to be able to kind of get to that dream of being professional, but you get a degree out of it, it, it comes in a way of like a great experience and great opportunity to be able to, to compete and to be a part of the NCAA system. It doesn't work for everyone, yeah. but um, if you really are interested and you just ask questions, email um, the colleges that you're interested in that you like, ask them the requirements uh, of what to do, like what marks you might have to hit, um, what times you might have to run, and uh, even academically, what is the situation with getting uh, accepted into the school? All those questions are going to help you kind of put out this goal and put out the system of kind of ticking those boxes. And that's what, for me, it took a while to to get that knowledge because I just didn't really know people to ask. And, yep. and that's why um, my advice back to me would be to ask these questions, you know, ask Jess Hull, um, ask Morgan uh, McDonald and ask people that have been through the system to say, hey, like, how did you um, tackle this kind of situation with, you know, applying to these universities? Yep. And that for me is the best advice you could possibly get because you might get some universities that you're really interested in that you have the initial interest and then all of a sudden there's another university that pops up that actually fits maybe your degree or your educational system better and has a better maybe better throws program a better jumps program a better sprint or uh distance running program so uh the more knowledge you have the better it is to apply and and just to assess if it's the right fit for you and so and because you went to on running group Mm -hmm. so did that come from going through wisconsin did that lead from that or like was that just a separate kind of situation where you led into training with that group yeah i was very fortunate uh i had a lot of success in college and i got a lot of attention from agents um and i was able to sign with an agent who kind of looked out for deals with a shoe company to support my journey as a professional athlete um being in the states i had more of an opportunity to get more of an awareness of my ability and hopefully represent a brand uh on that stage and support me through that journey of being a professional athlete and on running is a very relatively new um uh group that were founded in 2011 and uh they just didn't really have much performance shoes uh they were very much jumping from like a triathlon kind of style regular shoe casual shoe now to trying to jump into the track world and they were putting a lot of money into it, a lot of investment and it was during covid so they really wanted to jump onto the market and prevent other bigger brands from uh poaching certain athletes i was very fortunate to get a call from on and they said look we want to build a a track team uh we're going to base it in boulder colorado okay and it's going to be a very international team. We've got a New Zealander, we've got an Australian, we've got an American. We're hoping to get more international Europeans and we want to create an environment where you guys are competitive individuals, but you're not competing for the same team. So with being in America for quite a while, like with NCAAs, um, how did you find the comparison between living in America and, and living in Australia? Like, did you find those big differences oh, yeah. in the living style? Oh, yeah. What was the thing that annoyed you the most? Oh, just like... Standard of coffee, obviously. Yeah, standard of coffee is terrible, <laughs> mate. Like, just shocking. Like, I like in college, you could, it was hard to find a good cup of coffee. Yeah. And they drink yeah. that liquid pour over, like, not the liquid pour over stuff. The pour over stuff's good. The pour over stuff is good. It's the Insta, Insta coffee. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just shocking, mate. It's like drinking tar. <laughs> dirt, dirt water. Dirt water, mate. Um, that, and then, like, the food was different. I noticed the food was quite different. And it's, it's funny because in Australia, um, you can go to a coffee shop and get good food and good mm. coffee. Yes. Whereas it, in, a, in America, yes. it's separate. You and have it's to like a, a nice aesthetic, shop. like everything's yeah. together. Like it just makes sense. And then mm. you go to America and it's just like, 
you have to find a good breakfast spot, then you have to find a good coffee shop. Yeah, it's, it's not like you combination. Have to go from one to the other. Yeah, yeah. It's, like it's like an adventure to try and find yeah. a good outing. Yeah. Um, so how long has it been since you've been home? Uh, I was home for the Australian Champs this year okay. in, in April. I was home for 10 days. And then I had to go back to the States just to kind of fulfill training because I were based in the States. So I trained over there, but I'm trying to get back home as much as possible. Now that like COVID's kind of, still there but settled down with vaccination and, and masking and and getting COVID tests i can get back more often now which is the exciting thing i can be home more than i than i uh, was in the past because with college i had the restriction with being just obviously having to go to school having to be yeah. in class so i couldn't really just go home um but now being a professional athlete and having more flexibility with it it's nice because i could be able to enjoy australia there's just something like the nostalgia of getting on a Qantas flight i don't know if you've experienced yeah. this like when you've been in europe just doing the circuit for yes. a while and you get on a corners fight and you see like the safety thing with the Australian. It's yes. just like, it makes me feel good. I almost <laughs> teared up when I, I've been gone for like two years. I almost teared up watching the corners like safety commercial. The, I find, I always find the funniest thing is like, especially when you country in countries that don't speak English predominantly, like I never forget when I was in Germany for probably like six weeks or something and nothing, nothing but German, nothing but German. And then you just, you're on a train and you're going somewhere and you just hear Australian. Mm. You just hear the accent and you just turn and just like flee towards, oh, you're Australian. Hi. Yeah. Hey, tell me where you're going. Talk to me, please. Can I, how's home? <laughs> like just flood them with the yeah. information. Um, so would you say you're more based in the, in the US more than what you are in Oz at the moment? Yeah, definitely. Um, are you wanting to make that switch back or is it kind of just has, how it has to be with on running and the training group and all that? Yeah, with the training group and the contract, they want me to be with the group and be based there. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm definitely coming home there. I just like, I, we've been, I've been fortunate enough like you to travel around Europe, travel around the world and to see all these amazing places, which they are amazing, but nothing. It, time, it's mate. not, it's, there's nothing better. Hey, nah, like it's honestly, so good. I feel like the, like the standard of living is, so good as you well. You take it for granted. I yeah. Think. So where's where's um where's Gus? Gus is in Gus is in America. He's he in, really he's, okay. So did you did you so Gus is uh, Ollie's Ollie's little dog. Yeah, um, English bulldog. Yeah. Where so was he in Australia and then you brought him over? No, I actually bought him in Scottsdale, Arizona. Okay. Out of pure um, let's just say impulse. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, impulse. Yeah, I just yeah. saw him and I was like, I want that dog. Uh, yeah. Nice. And so is he? Where's Where's he at the moment? He's back at we uh, we rent a beautiful house in uh, Boulder, Colorado, and he's back there with uh, my mate's girlfriend. Is kind of yep. looking after him right now. Uh, he loves to eat like uh, loves to eat your uh, remote controls and stuff, mate. He, is that uh, the worst thing he's done? No, mate. The worst thing he's done is he ate Morgan's phone. Oh, we, really? Yeah, and he didn't he didn't back up his phone, so a lot of his photos with his his girlfriend oh, and like podcast no. material and stuff wasn't backed up. So we got we swallowed went out, it. No, he just chewed it up. Oh. So we went out for a, like a, just a three-mile run. Yeah. So about four, five, six K. And I'm thinking, okay, Gus has gone through that phase, the liquid phase of a, of a son. Yeah. And I'm thinking, all right, well, <laughs> all right, well, like he's going to be chewing up stuff. Like he's chewed up my AirPods. He's yeah. chewed up like like corners of like my chairs and, and stuff in the dining room. I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll figure this out. He'll, he'll grow out of it. And Morgan and I go for a run, pretty casual just talking about random stuff come back and i just see him with his face pure fear in his face he went he went under the couch and i'm looking at him this is a bulldog with a very expressive face i knew something was up so i'm yeah. looking around thinking he's chewed something up of mine it was morgan's iphone 
12 or 13 or whatever no. and it's just like the screen's cracked and broken and i'm like morgan i'm so sorry so i bought him a phone the next day <laughs> but then i realized he's like yeah i didn't back up any of my stuff so he lost like everything oh. but he still has the phone he's just trying to hopefully recover it at some point but gus was like i put him outside he was whining he's, for, he was in the dog house. Oh, he was in the, he, he was in the actual dog yeah. house. he was <laughs> But he's now known because like we talked about in the pod and we took videos of it and it's on Morgan's YouTube as well. Like he's just an absolute menace, mate. He's, mate, that's, yeah, that's, but, uh, that's a tough one. I've, like my little puppy, Frankie, she's, she smashed my AirPods a couple of times and like a few different other things, but never, never a phone. What type of dog is she? Uh, she's a cavoodle. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think she has the bite force to be able to break a phone. Yeah. But that's, well, that's good then. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> It was it was expensive enough to just replace the e-phones and stuff. Mate, so. you got this nice podcast equipment. If she was yeah, chewing I know. That I imagine just going through all the cords, breaking all the rope. <laughs> Mate, I, you would be fuming. I would be. Yeah, she'd be. She'd be outside. <laughs> she's an inside dog as well. So yeah. like, I, <laughs> I, I don't even want to imagine. But she's been pre- she's been pretty good so far. So, um, but anyway, so tell me in your in your season in a whole, how have you how have you felt about it so far? Well, it's been it's been a whirlwind. It's been yeah. pretty exciting. Um, I was able to run three forty seven, break the mile uh, outdoor record which Stewie had, which I'm sure Stewie will come back and probably yeah. break it again. The dude's an absolute. Because you, you did the same comp he did the year before, hey? Yeah, yeah. at Oslo and uh, Jakob Ingebrigtsen, the Olympic champ, was going for the European record, and yeah. I just like stuck behind him and hung on and was able to run three forty seven. And I remember Stewie messaging me, he's like, "Mate, that was pretty amazing," because he ran three forty eight and he won that meet. Um, and he just did it in Stewie fashion, like just, just, just going out, popping along. Yeah, yeah, just popping along, just going out and just really making everyone else hurt. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty special moment for me this year. And and being able to get, I was able to get, I think two or three seconds, um, in Diamond League. So like pre, I was second in the mile. Yeah, I was second at Oslo. Um, I was third in Birmingham, uh, Diamond League earlier in the year. So it's been a, it's been a very consistent season, um, very exciting season. Like I was definitely in the top three at most races, which I was hoping to deliver at Worlds. Unfortunately, wasn't the case. Um, was knocked out uh, in the semi. Com Games was able to come away with with a, with yeah. a win, which was fantastic. And then Lusan um, had a bit of a disappointing race, was near the back of the pack. But uh, Zurich, you know, just finishing it off well, I think this season's been the best season I possibly could have could have had. I think even with um, such a low like Worlds, like it's still so valuable to be able to go, well, I, I've taken that experience and, and really used it. Um, to, to hopefully, you know, never have that happen again and, and prolong uh, a lot of valuable left lessons for the next uh, season coming on because we're going to be, you and me yeah, are going to be pretty busy. Mate, we got Budapest, be, it's, Paris. It's going to be back to back. I think like I thought this year was pretty hectic enough and like I've been away for four and a half months and that's been kind of Yeah, how's your miso with that? Uh, like my, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I've been very fortunate that like I have a fiance that's super understanding and like, yeah loves what i do and like enjoys the fact that like that i get to enjoy what i want to do um so it's been really really good she's been understanding but yeah definitely tough like mm. definitely a long a long process and yeah four and a half months the the worst part was so she came over to comms mm. and then just like at the end of so she was there for she did worlds and then came to commies and then after like after the final she got covid so we could like oh. we could barely spend any time together that's horrible yeah so i was just like oh cool hi from a distance just like wave you yeah. in the window oh mate it was the worst so um yeah like that's that that was kind of made it a lot tougher to not be able to like talk to her and mm. like properly and actually spend time with her and um and catch up with family and stuff so 
yeah, like, but it's it's been a long one. Yeah. It's, it's been a long one. To say no, this. I can imagine. And then we, so I get married in November. So I get home oh, on Sunday and then I've got Bucks party two weekends after that. And then, uh, yeah, and then get married. So hectic hey. year. So I, I'm hopefully get my rest in before it just continues to yeah. kick off for the next two. So you're going to be running on fumes. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just keen to switch off. For a little bit. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm just keen to switch off. Um, but speaking of records before, so you got the mile, but you know, your dad obviously got the beach record. Um, have you, what made you not go down that route? Oh, I don't know. I just wanted to give, <laughs> sure, let him sure, have it. Surely we go back and try yeah. and get the record off him at least. I would love to do that. Yeah. But he, he kind of holds it now as like a bit of a pride thing. But yeah. he knows that if I go back, he's going to be like, I have nothing left. Yeah. He's given me nothing. <laughs> Take like, the can legacy. I, can I please have something? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Because now with, with commies and stuff, like all his mates, he's not known as, as Greg anymore. He's just known yeah. as Ollie Horse Dad. Yeah. Oh, so he doesn't look tough. One. Yeah. So yeah. he's like, mate, like I, you know, I got this speech record. He's like, nah, who cares? <laughs> Who cares, mate? You're Ollie Hall's dad. So I was like, I feel bad if I went back and tried to take it, but um, it'd be a good laugh, though. Oh, dude, I would enjoy it. Yeah. If he ever gets, if he ever annoys me, if he gets me to dad, annoy, I swear I will come to. The I will come back. Oh, yeah, I will make a return. Yeah. No, no. My um, actually, funny story with um, my brother. So like a lot of when I when I was growing up, all my brothers were like kind of really they were really good at footy and they were kind of well known within the town. Like we had a small town, and. Every, as I was growing up, everyone would be like, oh, you're like Jonathan's little brother or, you know, you're Jason's little brother. But then ever since I started like doing well and competing well, now everyone says to my oldest brother, Jason, oh, you're Matt Denny's brother. <laughs> Mate, kills him. Like, oh. absolutely. He's, no, 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 no. He's my little brother. Like, he uh, he gets real he gets real dirty about it. He gets so, defensive, yeah. Yeah, he gets real defensive. <laughs> it's, always, it's always a good little plight over the top of people. But, oh, man. Um, so yeah, looking forward to 2023. So what's like, we've got Diamond League final and you're done. You're done as well. Yeah, I'm going to take a little break. What's, um, what's the what's the break plan? I got four days in Zurich. Um, okay. On like a, the headquarters is here and the founders are here. So I'm hopefully spending a bit of time just seeing the city, checking out the uh, the new headquarters that they have here and uh, spend nine dollars on a latte, mate. It's ridiculous, right? Nine francs. Oh. It's like I don't even want to know the conversion I rate. Think in Australia. I think it's like thirteen bucks or something. <laughs> ridiculous it better be bloody good coffee mate oh <laughs> with like a bar of chocolate yeah, yeah. like surely you'd think so yeah um and then what else and then after that i'll head back my brother's actually coming to visit uh me in america and i'm going to take him camping in colorado okay we'll go up to estes park and uh just go yeah just enjoy being normal yeah for a little bit i'm sure yeah. you, you, you oh, know, you, you're trying to get married you got a <laughs> bachelor party mate you're gonna you're gonna be like i needed like this is normal i feel like it's it's funny obviously we get to like live our dream and mm. travel the world and compete and stuff. But everyone's like, oh, you know, you got to, you get to go to Paris. And it's like, oh, well, I got to be in Paris. I didn't exactly I didn't see anything. Like I got to compete, but I didn't really <laughs> get to see anything. But like, I feel like, yeah, that whole living on the road, competing mm. and like, obviously you're living to train and being like high performance, but you lose that, like, I guess, tourist factor about mm. it. And you're not really living your life. Like you're, you're living your dream. You're getting to do what you do. But I, mean, I found for me, because I was by myself a lot like with traveling you kind of just get into that robotic like train rest repeat compete and routine like, yeah and then yeah. it's like I'm not really living my life like with family and friends back home so yeah I'm, I'm keen for for those few weeks off to actually get back to that and get back to normal so when when you get home back to Oz again 
Uh, 14th of December. Be back okay. for Christmas, and yep. then I'll be there for a while. I'm gonna try and trial for the cross country team. Yep. Uh, they're gonna. It's got Worlds is in Bathurst, which is pretty exciting. And then I'm gonna try and do the four by two k relay, maybe with Stewie or uh, Lyndon or Jess or whoever's in that. I mean, we've got such good depth, so who knows yeah. who's gonna be in that team? But is the uh, is is Bathurst gonna be on the hill as well? On the mountain? I think it is. That's going to hurt. Yeah. Not, not going to be nice, man. That's going to hurt. Yeah. That thing is like difficult enough to walk up, like <laughs> let alone to a cross country on it. So Yeah, it's going to be tough, <laughs> mate. And then, so, and then you'll do some of the Oz domestic season? The, uh, the plan is to do that, yeah. yeah. I'll definitely try and I'll be back for the um, the Australian champs. And then if I'm around for a race or two, I'd love to do that too. Um, just to be able to run back home. It's, just, it's special, you know? Yeah. Being able to run all these amazing meets, it's, it's great. But when you're back home and you get to enjoy just being back home and competing in the sport you love, it's it's just nothing gets better than that. And then, yeah, and then obviously into the European season, then yeah, Budapest and then yeah. kick on to Budapest Paris. Budapest is going to be sweet. I reckon, it's, yeah, it's... I haven't seen any, like, of the new stadium or, like, the plans or whatever, but I remember the, the first and only time I've been to Budapest was back in 2018. And we did... Uh, what's it called? Continental tour. That was like the oh, last yeah. continental yeah. tour that happened, and I went with Danny Stevens, and we yeah, like that was a pretty hectic time because it was end of the season. Everyone just kind of had a good night, yeah. got on it. Um, Have and a then, good one, man. Yeah, literally. You're in Budapest. But Come the on. funniest part about it was, so we went from there, and uh, we were staying in this place in Budapest, and literally down the road they had these ruined. But have you heard the ruined bars? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like um, for people listening, so the ruined bars are basically these uh old destroyed buildings from their civil war and yeah basically they left them as ruins and they built bars in them there's like crosswalks and it's like you know multi-storied all these like half cut cars and all that so it's really really cool and i'll never forget that night like had a few drinks and then i got to walk like we we're walking back to the hotel and there was three kebab shops in a period of 70 meters on the on the alley on the way out i had to stop at everyone <laughs> <laughs> That's my best effort in one night. Three kebabs in about 15 minutes. That's going down in history. That's yeah. a legendary story, mate. That is awesome. That's, a, that's how you know you're an Aussie though. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. An Aussie night out, you have a few drinks, you're with the boys or you, you just you start to get the, the yes. munchies. Where's the kebab shop? Yeah, where's the kebab shop? 2 a.m. in the morning. Let's go 3 a.m. to load me up. But yeah, three. they were pretty good. They were pretty good. Yeah. The third kebab was probably the better one. I wish I started with that. Everything comes in threes. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Uh, Ollie, before we finish up, um, we're going to finish with home straight questions. Uh, So it's a rapid fire. Uh, First thing that comes to mind so the listeners can get a little bit more of an idea about who Ollie Hoare is. So, ready to go? Yeah, let's go for it. Sporting Idol. That's a hard one. Has to be Australian? No. Anyone. Oh. uh, Uh... I'd have to say Kathy Freeman, actually. Kathy Freeman, yeah. okay. Pre-competition meal. Oh, uh, curry. Curry? Indian oh, curry. really? Yeah. Yes, yeah. nice. Love a curry. Uh, uh, favorite current Australian athlete? You know what? Uh, right now, probably Eleanor Pattinson. Yeah, yeah. nice. Good, I'm really watch, loving her watching Yeah, jump. she's so good. She, she goes so fast. She's, yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. And she, I love... <laughs> it's it's funny chatting with... Uh, this isn't quick fire. We'll go back to it. Yeah, yeah. Coolest place you competed <laughs> Oh, definitely, uh, definitely Zurich. Zurich, yep. Uh, biggest influence? Oh, I'd say my parents. Yep. Yeah. Worst injury? Oh, uh, bad sprained ankle, like bad to the point where I look like I was a cripple. Yeah, I was just oh, walking nice. around with one leg. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Uh, what did you want to be when you were growing up? I wanted to be a journalist. 
Really? Yeah. I could see that. I really could see that. Yeah, I wanted to be a journal. I wanted to be like uh, Mark Beretta and stuff. Just like, yeah. Bit, I, like to me as a kid, that was the best job. You're just talking about sport. Yeah. And just like how great sport is. That was it. Mate, I don't, I, that's that's still a possibility. <laughs> uh, hidden talent. Hidden talent? I make a, I make my own pesto. Oh. I make a good pesto. Can you make me a pesto pasta? I love yeah. a chicken pesto pasta. I make a really good chicken pesto pasta. Sun, sun-dried tomatoes? Yeah. Oh. You've got to put those in. Yeah. It's, People don't it's, put them in. It's, a, it's the goat of yeah. putting in. Uh, dogs or cats? Oh, dogs. Dogs. Okay. And coffee order? Flat white and then a cortado. I always go flat white and then cortado. What's a cortado? Cortado is like a piccolo. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but it's cool. a, I think it's a little bit bigger. Uh, that's what they call it in the States. Yeah. But it's a pro- it's mostly piccolo if you're back at home. Yeah, right. That were good. That were good answers. Um, yeah. Back to EP. Yeah. She's... Um, I always love watching her compete because she... I love chatting with like she's so relaxed and chilled out and then when she's on on track it's just like go zone it's a freight like, train yeah just ready to fly because I'm, I'm like watching her like just being able to appreciate other events is just like the best thing about track and field because this is so different so yeah. varying but she just goes so quick over compared to all the other girls she just like really hits the bar like yeah i've noticed like well, that- doesn't hit the bar hopefully but like gets over it yeah well with her and um both her and Starkey are just so much faster compared to everyone else. Like, well, that's the thing I don't know if that's something that Alex is teaching them or like yeah. whether it's just they both love going fast. Because Starkey goes pretty quick too. Yeah, and he, watching him, I'm like like scared. Yeah. Where's your knees going? Yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, what, how do you do that? I'm like scared. Like, it's like freaking nature thing. I was going to ask you a question too, if that's okay. We have time. Yeah. Yeah. No, we got yeah. plenty of time. Yeah. So with the discus, like they're, they're trying to create more of a fan base with this, with sports in general, with the throws. Um, do they have like a street meet for discus? Like, have you ever been to a meet with a street? Like so a street? they've had, they've got indoors. So they have a indoor staff meet in Berlin at the start of the year, which I think usually is like March or April. Um, so they've had that as a novelty, but other than that, not really. Like we've kind of floated the idea with different competitions. And I know for, I think it was um, Brussels last year, they did it out next to the lake. Um, so that's kind of the only ones that we've really seen or they have done. But nothing like, you know, like the street mate today. Do, do, you re- do you reckon that could be good for the sport, particularly for discus? Because I feel like when you're closer, like even for the shot, for example, when you're closer to the action, yeah. you just get a newfound respect for it. And we're lucky enough as athletes to be close. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest limiting factor. Like things need to come closer. I think mm. if, you know, say for in Oz, I feel like they need to take away some of the barriers and like say come up to lane eight, like have a barrier on lane eight, still be able to run that. And then same for the track, like have you know, where the cage is, you'd be able to surround the cage, obviously give enough space for the officials and enough for safety if it's like for hammer and whatnot. But yeah, have people in the in the Tartan D in, in part of the track and it just brings, because we obviously don't have that huge fan base where it's like Europe and you're packing out a 15,000 stadium. So I feel like the more you bring people closer, you still get the same atmosphere. Mm. Um, so yeah, they haven't done it, but I think they need to consider it. I, I was thinking about it the other day when I was talking to Tom Walsh about it. Cause like, imagine like, you know how you said the issue with like not being able to see sites. Yeah. If they were able to put it, say in Berlin, in a place where you can actually see it, set up the meet and be able to have people like, uh, near, near the athletes being able to do this incredible thing because it is incredible what mm. you do. And they always, the camera, like the camera, um, shot from like the low one where you can see like, yeah, just going out to space. Right. Yeah. Having just being there instead of like seeing on the TV is impressive enough, but being there and seeing it, seeing it launch, yeah, I think that's just like what gets people excited about. And I think some of the athletes maybe need to. We kind of sometimes need to forget about the performance and more about the show factor of it. So like, you know, say if we did a competition on the beach and we're throwing it out to the sand, it might be uphill or downhill or whatever. But 
if people come to watch it and it's in the public eye because you know say if we had like say for nationals right being at qe2 or like at sopac or these bigger stadiums it's limiting the fact that people aren't going to go oh the athletes are on we're going to walk in but if you take those events or like to things where people can sit around closer to the event yeah it brings people into it a bit more and like you can show off different things build yeah. more interest in it so yeah i agree yeah just yeah. have a beer and sit there and just yeah literally just i think launch it. <laughs> i feel like that's athletics needs more of that like let's go to the ass with a couple of mates have a few beers and, and just watch talent yeah exactly yeah. so i feel like that's where it needs to get to yeah. um, i think street meets can help with that particularly with throws more ha- intimate setting yeah more intimate doesn't have to be as big and more relaxed like mm. obviously you're still trying to perform well but people don't really know the difference between a 18 and 20 meter throw as long as you like like say for shot right like 18 or 20 meters so long as you put out a line saying like this is good mm. the crowd's not going to go into their phone like oh well actually if you go to the latest statistics or the yeah. world leads or whatever like they'll just go he got over the line oh my god yeah. like and that's, that's what yeah and that's what we did for um for sydney track classic i remember we we obviously had the auto quality out but we i said put the meat record out that's all you need because like i wasn't in i wasn't in good enough form to do qualifying because i was under a lot of load but i knew that i could get meat record and i was like well if i get meat record people are still gonna be like sick he got he got over the line (laughs) achievement kind of thing so yeah i think stuff like that just more like things that people can watch and be more entertained by i think that's probably like where it needs to be going yeah so do you th- what do you think about the street meet with like the 5k and stuff with the short corners it's pretty hard to watch and, and i know a lot of the athletes like aren't a big fans of it so they're going to be moving it back into um just the regular track i think yep. it's a good idea for maybe not the diamond league final yeah i think the final you want the traditional kind of setting. yeah 100 especially when it's times and bonus points yeah. and stuff. so but in general like that could be a cool meet to do maybe during the the season just to, to mix it up and make it different like what they've done with the street meets with the pole vault yeah um and the shot it's, it's a good mix up but i think if you're running the diamond league final it's the diamond league final everybody's in the stadium it's packed out it's yeah noisy, 100%. It's loud. everybody's excited about every thing going on yeah keeping things going like traditionally for the final that'd be great but then like the lead up to the final it'd be cool to have those street meets a bit of bit of spice to it yeah 100 yeah. percent. Uh, speaking of sp- speaking of spice <laughs> um curry pre-meat really mm. what kind of curry oh rogan dosh really okay maybe a tikka masala maybe a butter chicken it depends like i i ate a curry before a good race like when i was in college and i since then it was like a tradition to get a like if i was yeah, around yeah, yeah. the area and there's good indian food i'd get a curry and have it's you, always worked have you got a curry lined up for tomorrow no nah, unfortunately not mate. Nah, okay. i just got the hotel yeah food, but um yeah probably, probably playing about 70 bucks for a standard yeah i was gonna curry say if i here. go out and get a tikka masala it's probably 75 francs yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, and bef- as we are finishing, so athlete challenge. So athlete challenge is something where you give the listeners something to do at home that can maybe challenge themselves to feel like what it's like to be training like Ollie Hall. What what would you have for them? What would be like a what's a tough set for you? Like like a tr- like just like a training set. Yeah, a training set. I did twelve by four hundred with a minute rest at altitude, which is about it was about sixteen hundred feet, sixteen hundred yeah. meters. Sorry, um, above sea level. 12 by 400 at uh, averaging 57.1. So try and just do, I told told my brother and his mates to do this, try and just do one lap at 57. Yeah. And then think about doing that 12 more times with one minute recovery. That's how you, how you by the end of that? Oh man, I'm cooked. Yeah. You got to drag me off the track. How, what's like, and what's the recovery time on that? Like for the day? 
for the day. Like, I'll, do, I'll do, do, you, do you get a couple more days off? Or? Oh, I'll get like, I'll have an easy easy run the next day. And then the day after that, maybe just a longer run. Yeah. And then after that, back into a workout. But the workout won't be as severe as that. Yeah. That'd that, be like a workout where it's more of a Like a muscle, set the standard. Yeah, muscle memory. Like I did that workout before Oslo. So my coach could tell me like, this result, this workout, this is what Stewie, this is what Jakob, like this is the workout that shows you you're in this type of shape. Yeah. So you can give that confidence to go, okay, I can compete in this meet. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, before we sign out, is there anything you want to plug uh, at the end of the potty? Um, oh, well, if, if anybody's listening to this lovely podcast, you want to check out Coffee Club. Coffee uh, Club. Be more than welcome to. We're just three boys and, and a dog just having a chat about the sport and, and what we could do to make it better. But um, thank you so much for having uh, no. have me on. It's funny because I've been, I was, when I was, I guess I was not really growing up. I was still old, but I was watching, been watching you on TV. Yeah. Throw. And then I'm on the same team as you. And now I'm on your podcast. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I would say it's mine. Dream- it's AA's, but I mean, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take, yeah. Dreams come true. <laughs> Oh well, you know I we yeah we, yeah we yeah we make it we make it happen here at uh, at the podcast you know just making dreams come true yeah. so you're welcome all right my ego is super high now um, thanks everyone <laughs> for listening and uh, Ollie yeah thanks man it's been a great potty with you so appreciate it appreciate your time thank you so much thanks man alrighty guys another one in the books done and dusted I hope you enjoyed this one what an absolute legend Ollie Hoare is it was great listening to him you know talk about his story and. His whole process going through the NCAA system and, you know, his whole story about winning Com Games is incredible. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed, guys. Make sure you go check out Athletics Australia's social medias and let us know who you want to have on the podcast next. But that's it from me. I hope you have a great week, have a great weekend and have a great competition and great next training session. I will see you guys in the next one. See ya.